Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 187 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week on the podcast, I was joined by a hobbyist photographer known as my Bajan eye on Instagram, Tara Workman. Despite her self-proclamation as being a hobbyist, Tara's photography is some of the best you'll find these days. It's personal, it's unique, and has some really fantastic qualities. Tara is a physician living in Portland, Oregon, and she uses photography as a mental health break. Tara and I discussed some interesting topics this week, including her start as a landscape photographer in the age of social media, uh, photography as a hobby and the benefits to that approach, making time for photography as a person with a full-time job, finding your own path as a photographer, and the powerful influence of social media, and so, so much, much more. Over on Patreon this week, join over 140 of your amazing peers in supporting the podcast financially, and listen to Tara and I talk about how photography taught her how to see beauty in the natural world. One other thing I'd like to mention you'll learn from this week's podcast is that Tara learned a lot of post-processing techniques from my friend David Thompson. I was able to reach out to my friend David and he is offering a 20% discount on his Skype post-processing tutorials. Um, All you got to do is sign up and support the podcast over on Patreon and I'll give you the discount code. All right, let's get to the show. All right, Tara Workman, it's so cool to have you on F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Yeah, and believe believe it or not, there have been people who have actually reached out to me and suggest that I get you onto the podcast. So I will say that easier to <laughs> not believe uh, than to believe that. But uh, wow, okay. Yeah, no, I think um, you're kind of one of those artists that flies under the radar, and I think that's why I was so interested in in talking to you because. Well, we'll get into it, but you, you, I think your work is pretty unique and uh, it's it's kind of stands out as being different. And I always find those types of photographers to be interesting to follow. So, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Okay. Well, well yeah. thank you. Thank you. Of course. So I know that you live in Portland, Oregon, and that you grew up in Barbados. But other than that, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about how you got into photography. Okay. Well, uh, basically I'm a family physician full-time, uh, photography was kind of an accidental you know, blessing essentially. Um, I've always been the person that, you know, takes photos of family and takes photos of the dogs and, um, things around. And so I'm always, you know, looking for opportunity. I was always looking for opportunities to, to take photos. And <laughs> because, you know, I had a little extra cash, I would always buy a new camera. And then I think it was about four years ago. Um, <laughs> I talked to my husband, and I said, I think I want to get a new camera. And so he <laughs> looks at me. And <laughs> he's like, didn't you just buy a new camera like, you know, two <laughs> years ago? <laughs> so I said, well, you know, I just want something that I'm going to grow into. Um, and, and his response, and, and I think he may regret this now, but he basically said, well, if you, if you want a new camera that you're going to grow into, maybe you should learn how to use it. Um, so I know shots fired. Indeed. Indeed. So, yeah, so I actually took, um, I took a basic photography course just to learn how to use it, um, about four years ago and, um, pretty much got hooked. Um, and I don't know, I just, since then, I've just been pretty much obsessed. Like, I think most people who, who end up being, you know, being obsessed with photography, just, just, you know, just get absorbed. And, um, that was me for about two years where everything was photography. That's cool. Yeah. I was, I was the same way back in like, 2011 it was like all I did like I would bring my camera to work with me and people would look at me like dude are you gonna work or what are you doing like (laughs) exactly exactly yeah I uh I think um there were times where I I have Wednesday off and I would leave Tuesday night go drive two hours and shoot Milky Way and then sleep on Wednesday and then go to work on Thursday 
And the thought of that right now, I will never do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's talk a little bit more about uh, your kind of just kind of your general lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. you're also a a family physician. Mm -hmm. Tell, Tell us a little bit about how you balance photography with obviously I'm guessing a fairly busy uh, practice. Yeah. Um, So I would say that that's, that's been a work in progress and I'm a lot better at it than say two years ago. Um, So I'm full-time working uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays off, and then Thursday, Friday weekends off. And so in the, in the beginning, I was just like you, you know, you take your camera everywhere, every opportunity, Um, you're always shooting. Um, and then my husband who is wonderful, um, I think his patience wore thin (laughs) after a while. Um, but I think a big change for me, I think about two years ago, a year and a half ago was that I was just exhausted. Um, (laughs) I, uh, yeah. And I love sleep. Um, (laughs) but I was just finding that I was just really, really tired all the time because any, any photo trip, any photo outing, um, it would just, it would just take me, you know, days to recover from it. And so, um, finding that balance, I just had to figure out that one photo opportunities are going to come again. Missing out is not a big deal. And you know, rest is actually really, really important and finding a balance in terms of relationships, in terms of work and just, just, you know, too much of a good thing is not always, is always, is not always good. So, so it's, it's definitely been a work in progress, but I think I'm getting better at it. How how often do you think you get out nowadays in terms of like per month or per year? Nowadays, this year has been a little strange. Um, so I did a lot more in quarantine. I did a lot more in the gardens, um, you know, just, just because we were home a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of actual photo trips, um, I don't do that many. I think when my husband and I, we go on vacation, um, I might take a couple of days where I actually go shoot. But I've, you know, I allot vacation time to vacation. Um, and then I've actually started doing more photography trips where I take, you know, four or five days, um, Mm -hmm. and just, just have that is, that's all I'm thinking about and that's all I'm doing. And so I've done that. I feel like when I first started out, I've, I wanted to get out and take pictures as often as I possibly could. And it was super draining for me to do that. And it was kind of nice to, to let go of that expectation of myself to like, Oh, I, it's okay to only like go on maybe like five or six photo trips a year and just focus on capturing as many good images as I can during that time. But maybe don't pick up the camera for a month or two at a time. Sometimes for me anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot better. I mean, I, when was it? I think it was either yesterday morning or the morning before there was just this amazing sunrise and, uh, you know, I took some photos of it, some video, I put it on Instagram and I had people messaging me saying, I hope you're taking photos of that. And I, it never even crossed my mind. I actually, I sat with my coffee and I enjoyed it, which I would not normally do, but it was just, it was nice. It was nice to not have the pressure to photograph it. Um, And it was probably the best sunrise I've seen (laughs) this year, but it was okay. Yeah, I don't know. For me, that took years to be okay with those kind of sunrises and not being out there with a camera. <laughs> it, it probably, I don't know, this year, this year has changed a lot for me in terms of how I think about work and sure. photography and, and everything. So, yeah. For sure. So, so for you, uh, photography is a hobby, is that right? Correct. Yeah, I have no... And no interest in in making it uh, a career at all. It's my uh, it's my mental health outlet, really. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm just curious because I think you also said you're you're very competitive, um, and I'm curious <laughs> how does the mixture between being a hobbyist but also being competitive how does that work out? <laughs> so it's it's competitive in so I play golf. 
And golf is a game that if you play it, it is you're you're basic it's basically you against golf. It's not necessarily you against whoever you're playing with. So when I started with golf, it was I wanted to get to a point where I could play with with guys and guys not treat me like the girl who's playing golf. How cute, you know? Um, <laughs> so photography was kind of like that for me, where um, even though I, I'm not planning on on selling prints or or doing workshops or anything like that, um, I want to be I want to be proud of the work that I produce. Um, and so for me. Um, it was just important to get better um, and continue to get better until you die, essentially. Well, <clears throat> the thing with photography, especially landscape photography, is I feel like that journey never ends. So <laughs> <laughs> at least for me, it hasn't. Yeah. It, uh, well, that's what I love. I love that it, it, you know, you'll you'll be trying to improve, you know, forever or at least changing the way that you do things. And you can always find ways of improving or changing. Um, mm -hmm. that's what I love about it. Yeah. So I'm guessing that if, if you're solely focused on it, just being a hobby and it being a mental health break, that that does take some pressure off of you, uh, in terms of needing to produce high quality images every single time you go out. You know, I would love to hear about what that lack of pressure, how that influences your work or your thought process. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd say it's interesting because it, it still was a journey in that before, um, before I would say this year, a little bit of last year, um, there was always pressure to go out and shoot and, and come away with something because that's what you're going out for. And I think um, the things that really, really helped me were listening to listening to the podcast, listening to other other the way that other people do it. And realizing that one, you're not always going to get, you know, the conditions that you want. You're not going to get things that, you know, you're at Mother Nature's whim essentially, um, and that it was okay. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that I learned this year was that I'm very fortunate. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I can drive a couple of hours and be in the most beautiful place on earth. And people fly here. People, you know. People have to plan to actually have the opportunities that I have. Also, as a physician, I'm fortunate enough that I've traveled quite a bit. Um, and so for me to be frustrated because I didn't get conditions, I think it's, you know, it's a little ungrateful. And it was, you know, I just had to, to sort of look at my life, realize how fortunate I was, um, and and just just be thankful and it, it changed a lot of things. I enjoy the coast so much. And, you know, it's it's one of the places that I think this year has been, you know, the, the best gift for photography for me. Um, but even if it wasn't, it's the coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, does, um, does you embracing the feeling of just being fortunate to be able to do these trips out and, and make photographs, is that, has that, change the way that you look for things that you find interesting and the types of images that you're creating? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think it was more, I guess the way that, that my photography, the, the direction my photography went, I think was more so um, because I, I stopped trying to shoot what, what was, you know, the, you know, the typical iconic shots, the, you go to this location and this is what you look for. Um, and I think that when I stopped doing that, I started looking for well, what's interesting to me. And I, I never honestly expected that the things that were interesting to me were going to be interesting to other people. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it was mind boggling. I, I, I started, you know, posting things that I thought were interesting to me because I wanted to get out of that. And I, I, it was me being sort of, you know, you know, just middle finger to social media and likes and I'm posting this and I know it's going to tank and it's okay. And, and the funny thing about it was that not only did people embrace it, but um, you actually found more people that, actually like to do 
different things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds a lot like the transformation that I've been slowly going through over the past Mm -hmm. three years, I guess you could say, is when you when you don't focus on, Oh, what's going to, what are other people going to like, or is this going to do well on social media? Or can I print this really big and someone's Mm going to buy it? It does. It does significantly change the way you approach photography in general. I feel like. Indeed. Indeed. And you also, you you find, well, um, you had my friend, uh, Jared on, uh, before away I flew on, on Instagram. Um, and he and I, we were in Utah recently, and he he pointed out that if you scroll back uh, through my Instagram feed, you know, back to almost the beginning, um, you can see elements of the small scenes that I was interested in, you know, and then I gradually kind of went into shooting Mount Hood everywhere, doing nightscapes and different things. And so, you know, he he kind of pointed out that most of us have interests when we first start out, um, but we're kind of guided by what we see. And, and then we end up shooting what the masses are shooting. Um, and so it's just it was just interesting that he pointed that out. And so I think I've just I've just gravitated back towards what um, what I think initially I was interested in when I first started. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's really wise of you to to be able to embrace that. And I think, you know, I, I can already hear the naysayers of people who are maybe doing it full time or they're teaching workshops or maybe they sell prints. They're saying, well, like, that's nice, but you don't have to rely on that. Rely on photography for income. And mm-hmm. I guess I would say, yeah. And <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> no, and no, I I agree. I'm and this is one of the times where I will fully admit I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, there is no pressure, um, but it also just depends on what you want out of life. And for me, I, I have I have really good friends that love, you know, big iconic shots, and they make beautiful work, and I'm I'm happy for them. And for me, I just do whatever you feel comfortable with, do whatever you want to do, and what makes you happy. And for professionals. Um, I don't have that pressure and it's, it's really, it's really great. But the one thing that I did also learn is that, um, you know, the the market's really, really saturated and, and there are a lot of people doing similar things. Um, and if you, you know, a lot of the, the, the best photographers out there, I, I find that they were doing different things and they set the trends. So sometimes you know if you branch out yes it's a risk but there's also there's also a huge payoff that you could have and i you know it just depends on how you look at it oh for sure and i think what i've learned through talking to so many different people on this podcast is it's okay to do all of those things and i think honestly at least from my perspective if if you can teach somebody how to find big grand scenics and also how to find small abstract scenes and like how to help someone pursue those visions. And I think that makes you a more versatile photographer. It makes you, I think being able to see the big and the small at the same time, I think that's an incredibly, I don't know, perhaps somewhat rare in some ways, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think I, I, I guess one of the one of the things, you know, is let people be people. And, and obviously, if you're going to somebody who's known for iconic shots, that's probably what they're going to do. But um, you should also kind of cater to what the, the student wants and but encourage them to maybe look outside the box because it's it's a lot of fun. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious. Earlier, you had said that for you, photography was uh, the that it was kind of a mental health release. And I'm, I'm curious, what, what are the various roles that, that landscape photography plays in your life and where, you know, what would you, where would you be without it? <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, so COVID and quarantine and everything, uh, work got pretty stressful uh, in the beginning. No doubt. Yeah. And 
we we weren't able to travel, so we weren't able to do a lot of the the normal things that uh, we could do in in terms of nature. But what I ended up doing was my neighbors have this incredible garden. These these two older uh, older couple, and they they have a ton of birds. And what I ended up doing was spending a ton of time in their garden so they would they would you know just encourage me to come it didn't matter if they were sleeping or if they weren't home and i would just sit there um and i i pretty much watched spring change you know the just just how everything you know bloomed and and going into summer and it was it was just the best thing um <laughs> and so for me it was it was you know after a stressful day at work it, it's just nice to be in nature for me. Um, I'm, you know, so I think photography, it's just that I don't think about anything. I don't think about work. I don't think about, you know, appointments. I don't think about anything that I have to do. Um, it's just me and whatever I'm seeing at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, but without photography, I'd probably be playing a lot more golf. Uh, and i think that that's the one the one reason my husband is probably a a little sad that he pushed me to (laughs) to learn how to use a camera (laughs) (laughs) that's funny yeah it's interesting um it's funny i you know every once in a while i'll start to feel myself get kind of grumpy or agitated or easily agitated and then i and then i think back to like when's the last time i actually went out and just took photos and it's like oh it's been a while it's like, duh, man, you need to t- make time to do that. Otherwise you start to get, you start to get photo hangry. <laughs> you go. It's important. It's important. Yeah. To, to at least have that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, what was it like uh, starting photography in the age of social media? You know, what, what influence did that play on kind of your approach to photography and, kind of how you how you saw yourself as a photographer yeah so i i would say that it it definitely molded me in terms of this is the way that you're supposed to do it this is what you're supposed to be shooting you live in the pacific northwest uh you know during fall you go to silver falls uh you know just there there's certain seasons you know spring you go to palouse um and it, it definitely molded me into the way that I saw everybody doing things. Um, and I, I, I didn't realize it um, until <laughs> I started grumbling about things to my friends like, I hate tulips. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, everyone oh, goes I, down and shoots the stupid tulips. <laughs> to, and the thing is, tulips are beautiful. They're so I know, I, I know, I know. I, you know and, and but I, I see them, and I have this visceral reaction in a negative way, and and <laughs> and I <laughs> and I just, I, I just felt like there was something wrong with that. And oh, yeah, absolutely, I, yeah, and. It, I was also having the experiences where, you know, it's Milky Way season. So let's, where are we going to go? Let's go here. Um, and then you try to go there before other people go there because once one person shoots it and, and posts it, then everybody posts it and you see the same locations in the same shots. And I, at this point, I, I need to put it in here that that is not a problem in terms of this is me this is my experience this is this this is my journey and how i started to feel and after a while i just i i just wasn't as fulfilled by what what i was doing because i'm only on instagram that's the only place that that i post my photos um and so, you know, you're following a lot of the same photographers and so you're seeing the same things and it kind of guides you in a certain way. Um, and so I started to mm-hmm. be less enthused, uh, essentially. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, just listening to to the podcast 
um, and listening to a lot of the pros and, um, you, you know, you've had a lot of these conversations about, you know, comp stopping and all of those things. And, you know, I, for me, I don't mind it. I don't care. As I said, a lot of my friends still love to do that. My issue was, was when I sat down and I thought about it, I didn't even know if I was a good photographer, you know? Um, I live in this place where it's easy. It's it's relatively easy. You just you go to a place, and as long as you get the good conditions, and you and you you know. So my I started to have a lot of self doubt in terms of my ability to actually be creative. Um, yes. And yeah, and and so I just basically started reevaluating what I wanted and and what I wanted to do. And then gradually started changing. Um, and here I am. <laughs> oh, man, it sounds like we went on a very similar path because, you know, when I first started out, every time I would go out, I'd be so excited to to get the camera out and just mm. make images of everything I could possibly see and find. And like there was nothing that was boring to me. Yeah. And then for some reason, I think probably because of social media or whatever, um, you know, I, I moved to Portland in 20, gosh, it must've been 20, late 2013. Mm -hmm. And like, I use social media a lot to kind of figure out, okay, I don't know this place. So uh, like, what's, a, what are some good places to go make images? Right. And, and then I got sucked into like, oh, I have to go shoot that scene now and that scene and that scene and that scene. And then before I knew it, I was like, not having very much fun fun anymore making photos and it was like why isn't this fun anymore and then yeah I think it took me until like 2017 to realize like oh it's because you're not doing anything creative you're just you're just copying other people <laughs> yeah. you know yeah and and I think most most of us when you know in order to learn that's what you have to do definitely um, helpful yeah yeah and I, I will always say this and I'll keep coming back to it. To me, there are people who are fulfilled by icons and there's a reason they are beautiful. My personal, I, I just, I basically just, I, I wanted to know if, if I could go a different path. Um, and, and this, this past year has been so much fun. And I think one of the biggest changes I think was, um, I did a big trip with, um, a group of friends to Death Valley. And I think the big difference between Death Valley and the places that we normally go is that Death Valley is so versatile. Um, and so everybody came away with different images, completely different images. Um, and you're, you're basically in the same spots. Um, and so for me, that was probably the most fun that I've had in a very long time. And um, so I just wanted more of that. And mm -hmm. yeah. And the other thing, you know, I don't dislike so social media. In the last year, I've had way more fun on Instagram. You know, just I've met a lot of just wonderful, wonderful photographers. And I, I've been inspired by so many people. I've also met some of my best friends there. Um, so it's not, you know, social media is great. It just depends on what you want to what you want to gain from it. Um, and so for me, I just I just changed the trajectory and and I I tried to dictate what I wanted out of social media instead of having it guide me if that makes mm. any sense. That makes a ton of sense and yeah. Sounds very very full you sound very full of wisdom. <laughs> I'm an old lady. <laughs> I, yeah, but I'm old. <laughs> no, it's funny that you mentioned the uh the icons thing because I think mm -hmm. uh you know I think a lot of people misunderstand my personal position on icons and it's like me personally, I would shoot icons 24 seven, 365. My issue with icons is I just don't like to be around a ton of other people when I'm photographing, same. you know, oh, um, because it forces you to see the scene in a very specific way and it limits your ability to move around and all of those things. So, yeah. Um, like I would, no, definitely, definitely. I love to go to iconic places and there's no one there. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I can do so many things. And this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, 
Yeah. And and it's beautiful. I will I will point my camera at most things. I, you know, <laughs> I, I still will point my camera at most things. This year I've just been more limited. Um and I, I discovered a few things. So um it's been a lot of fun. But I will I will point you you put me anywhere, but I, I do tend to avoid people where possible. <laughs> yeah. So what are what are some of the ways that, that you're using social media for you? I only use it basically to to see other people's work. I that's it, you know, and and then dog videos and cat videos and <laughs> <laughs> I mean seriously, one you know, for me I'm competitive but I'm not in competition with anybody. I I just enjoy the fact that there is there's there's such a variety of work if you look for it. Um and yeah, and so I, I just use it more so as a way to look at what people are doing and get, you know, gain inspiration in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. And then the, seriously, the memes and the dog videos are, they're a really big part of it. <laughs> well, and I think to your credit as well, just because we're connected on Instagram, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I see you doing is that you, or maybe it's just with me, I don't know, but I doubt it, is that you're you're intentionally using it to, you know, uh, engage with people on a more than a surface level way, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's important too, in terms of really connecting with people, not just like, hey, sweet, sweet shot, you know, but more like, wow, that's really... That was, that's really interesting. You know, let's, I would really want to hear about what your experience was like with them making that photo. So I think, I think that's a much more useful way to use the platform than just, oh, sick shot. Come look at my stuff too. You know? (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. The, the, the reality is there are people behind the images, um, and (laughs) there's stories behind the images. And I actually like that. I also like to, I like the psychology of people. So, um, so I think that's why I also like this podcast because it's not just about what camera are you using. Um, it's more about, you know, what drives people to, to shoot the way that they shoot or, or do the things that they do. And so, you know, that's what Instagram is for me personally. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a great a great way to use the platform. Um, yeah, and I I don't know I I love what you said though. You're, it's like I use social media. Social media doesn't use me. I, well, this is and this is a recent thing. You know, yeah. it, you know, it's not it. I I was I was I used to look at likes. I used to look at you know why a shot didn't do well. Why it you know, um, it. it it's just, I, I just reevaluated things and I just wanted to be happy. Um, I also think in my job, you know, I, I talked to a lot of young, young kids and teenagers who, ugh, social media is terrible. It is terrible for young people. Yeah. Um, and so if I am falling prey to it, I can't even imagine the pressures that they go through. Right. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Yeah. Um talking about caring about likes or whatever. Mm. I haven't seen them turn that off in the United States yet. Have you? No, they were supposed to apparently, but they, they haven't. They probably had a bunch of people complain that that was going to ruin it. Yes. Cause that's, what's going to ruin it. Sure. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, I'm super pragmatic and I could take it or leave it. I think it is a, it's a useful metric from a business perspective, but mm-hmm. Definitely, like if someone, if I get a thousand likes or fifty likes on a photo, to me, it's like mm, I still like it. That's all I care about, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I will. I will say that there is, you know, the brain is. It's a really interesting thing because I don't care so much about likes anymore. But um, if some, if somebody I admire actually goes and comments on it, I might send my friends a look at what happened. <laughs> he liked it. Oh my god! And then I care about that, and I have to stop caring about that because then I'm thinking of the next photo. Will this person like it? Will that? You know. So it's it's still we still end up caring about stuff. Yes. Um, 
And and so it's it's always it, you always have to just keep reminding yourself to you're doing it for you. Well, for me, I'm doing it for me. No, and I think it's. I mean, I've gotten caught up in that before. I remember one time somebody who I really look up to made a comment on one of my blog posts, and I was like, "What? That's amazing!" You know, <laughs> exactly. I, so I I totally get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and. and, and to your point, it's it's not super easy to just not care because you do. No. We do care. Like I mean, at the Human end of the day, we're all human, and we Indeed. do care if people like us. Indeed. No, it's yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard not to not to think about it. I actually I had gotten to a point where I <laughs> I would post photos that I didn't even like that much, um, just to not care. You know, just I'll just put it out there. You stop caring about things. This this is not good, but just put it out there. You don't like this, but we're going to share it anyway, just as a you know a rebellious thing for my brain. But <laughs> how did that go? <laughs> you know, it's really it's really interesting because there's always somebody that tends to like something that you don't anticipate. It's really weird. Yes. Um, so I will say that. It, you'll still find somebody that finds some interest a lot of the time, even if you don't. Um, yeah. It's very, I mean, that's the thing. Photography is pretty subjective. Yeah. Well, especially landscape photography that incorporates mm-hmm. abstract uh, objects and things like indeed. that. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, what about, um, you know, being inspired by other photographers? Obviously you heard, said earlier that, you like looking at other photographers work and you're like to be inspired by their work, but how do you do that in a way to where it doesn't necessarily completely influence the photographs that you make? I will say that I, I don't know the answer to that. Like I don't, (laughs) I don't have a definitive answer for that. I, I would just say that I go out without intention um, and see what's interesting and a lot of times the way that people influence me is I, I might look at something and I'd be like, huh, I would have never thought to shoot that, but I'm not going to go out to shoot that. But I may, if I come across a scene, um, it may remind me of the way that, I don't know, maybe the patterns were, or um, I don't know, I kind of have a running checklist in my mind of, of what, what, would be interesting, you know, and maybe shadows, color, lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I look at other people's work, those are the things that I'm looking for. I'm looking at, well, why is this interesting to me? Um, but not necessarily. So, so I, I don't, I don't look at work to, to go out and, and copy it. I just, I, I look at it, I enjoy it. And then I say, well, why do I enjoy it? Um, um, but the other thing that I've learned is also that a lot of times you can st- the ones who are really good, you could try, but you're you're not necessarily going to be able to get get the same, you know, get what they did done as well as them. So it, it just doesn't make any sense trying to copy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then you start asking yourself, like, how the heck did they do that? It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and then yeah. and then you realize, oh, they just did this thing in Photoshop. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So, sometimes they might sometimes they might and i'm too lazy for that uh way too lazy i don't have time <laughs> yeah i will say that that's happened to me a couple of times and then it was like oh no it's that was a huge letdown yeah. for me when i realized that some of the people that i super admired their final images and then i realized mm-hmm. that it was like oh they literally just took the same Milky Way and dropped it into all these same s- different scenes. Uh, wow! Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, but but that's the thing for me. I would I I can look at it. I will enjoy it. Um, if it you know, and in terms of it inspiring me, it just in, it may inspire me in terms of I don't Milky Way might might not, but I mean just sure. You know, just, <laughs> um. But it, in terms of just seeing other people's work and just seeing things out in nature, and it may spur me to to recognize something that might be of interest. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's what it does for me as well. It's um, 
But I will say for me, it is sometimes hard not to even subconsciously copy other people mm-hmm. or at least similar themes. Like, uh, I think that is a challenge to, it's like, I guess for me, it's like, okay, what did they do that I liked? And then how do I put my own spin on it maybe? Yeah. Um, or incorporate some of the same ideas into what I'm looking for. And I think that's, well, th- I think that's okay. No, no, I definitely think it's okay. Um, I find it very hard to, with like the trees and, and, you know, the fall season, I, I find it very difficult to do things that are different to what I've seen. Yeah. Very different. I mean, de- very difficult, sorry. But when, when I go to the coast with the sand, sand textures, I mean, mm-hmm. they're abstracts for days. So um, I guess it just it just depends on the area that you're in and, you know, and the location. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I, I think there's something to be said, too, for going back to those similar locations and, and seasonal conditions year after year after year, because exactly. I think you s- can start to see them differently once you gain a familiarity with kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say get bored with, but, you know, I think, you know, take, take like you said earlier, fall colors, take that, for mm-hmm. example, you know, a lot of people, including myself, you start out looking for these big grand scenic shots with you know, trees and mountains mm-hmm. and all that and clouds and everything. And then you do that for a few years and then you kind of get bored with it a little bit and you're like, so what else can I do with this place? And then it's, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh my gosh, this whole playground of opportunity opens up and it's almost overwhelming to be honest with you, but yeah. it's also exciting. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, it, it just depends. It just depends on the person as well. I, I, I mean, there's certain things that you're going to do well, and then there are other things that you're going to struggle with, and it and it's going to take you a little while longer. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So what would you say was one of the, the best things that you did as a hobbyist to kind of to kind of push, push you over the edge in terms of gaining skills or making your, your photography better? Yeah. So hands down, um, I took a a tutorial, a, a, a Skype session with, uh, David Thompson. Oh. Uh, yeah. To just get better at post-processing and one, he's just, he's amazing. Um, two, as I said, you'll never really be able to, you, he can show you the tools, but you know, it's, it's hard to do what he does. And what was great was he gave me a ton of tools and I figured out of the hundred things that he showed me, I narrowed it down to four. And so I, I do like the same four things, but it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, that was probably the best thing um, that I did. And he's, he's, he's just so great in terms of just giving really good critiques, um, yes. you know, and, and, and I think everybody could use that. I mean, friends are, friends are great. Um, and you always, you should always have people that you can go to. And I have a bunch of friends that I go to all the time, but, um, I really admired, uh, his processing in particular. And so I paid him money and I told him, make me better. <laughs> hey, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I agree. I totally agree. I have no shame, no shame in it. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, well, without giving away uh dt's secrets like what like Mm -hmm. what's one thing that you that you what's one tool that he gave you that people might want to learn about um i think so so basically i went to him and it was more for color you know just just improving color separation and the way that the colors pop for him um and then tonal balance um so those are the things i went to him specifically and asked him to help me with um and then, you know, and he, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll help you with other things. Um, but that was what I specifically uh, was looking for with him. Yeah. His color work is top, so, top of the list. So good. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. It's funny. Every t- like I'll, every once in a while I'll have like a uh, color cast that creeps into some of my images cause I overprocessed mm-hmm. it or something. And mm-hmm. He'll, we'll just be randomly talking about something. He's like, hey, this image you put up, it's got a magenta color cast. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> it's, but he's right. Know, but he, he's so right. But I, I will never forget like 
one of the first, one of the first uh, images he showed me, he was like, so yeah, the first thing we got to do is we got to get rid of this magenta color cast. And it was magenta. And I was looking at it and I was like, is it magenta? And he was like, do you not see that? And I was like, uh, no. And, and now I look back and I can, I can see these things glaringly. But yeah. in the beginning, I was like, it looks white to me. yeah man it's uh his feedback is super helpful for sure it really really is (laughs) yeah i think it's super important to have those people so that you can like honestly just get hey like this is something you could make do to make this image way better i do say though that and i could be totally wrong about this and dt will probably hate me for saying it don't know that a lot of other people notice that stuff when they look at our stuff you know but he does and it does make it better yeah it it, it's the it's the little things and and but that was the reason that i went to him there were you know a handful of people that i had in mind um Mm -hmm. and it was because when i looked at their work um they they just stood out in terms of just it was just clean um and so um yeah but but that's the thing. It's all subjective. And so that was, he was somebody that, that I wanted to learn from. So um, my advice to people is just find, find work that you, you enjoy. And if, if you enjoy that, then if the person does, you know, one-on-one sessions, that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I had one more topic that I wanted to dive into with the time we have left together and I don't know, let's just see where this goes, because I will say that um, when I ask uh, the community of listeners, what are some topics that they were they are interested in? This is a topic that comes up all of the time um, in mm-hmm. terms of what people are curious about, what they want to hear more of, what they want to learn more about. And we'll just say it. Um, you're an Af- well, you're an African-American woman in landscape photography. So you you're you're like you're like a white rare tiger in the landscape (laughs) in the, in the the least white way. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not a lot of us out there. Yeah. Um, So I guess the first, the very first question, I mean, if it's the only question we get to, that's totally cool. But, mm -hmm. and it's a question I keep wrestling with myself. um, And I have lots of theories that probably none of them are right, but uh, you said not a lot of us are out there. And my question for you is simply, what, why? I I don't know. You know, I don't know. I think, I don't know, opportunities, um, interests. Um, I don't have a lot of friends who are interested in standing out in the cold. Um, <laughs> yes. Period. Um, you know, and definitely not to take a photo. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. And, and for me, you know, I grew up in Barbados, so it's, it's different. Yeah. It's just, it's different cultures, but even in Barbados, I don't know a lot of people who do photography um, in nature. It would be more portraits, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody's listening and you know, you look like me, just come say hi. (laughs) Well, it's Um, funny because I, um, I've had some listeners send me their opinions on why why they think there's not that many uh, black people that are in landscape photography, but I don't know if any of them are right. What are their, what are their thoughts or some Uh, of the thoughts? You know, it's, I don't know. I've always been the weird, the weird person in most of my groups in terms of, you know, playing golf. I listen to a little country music here and there. Um, So it's not a, a, you know, I live in Portland, which is right. Not a lot of not a lot of uh, black people in general, people of color. Um, but I don't know. I think I think it's it's potentially opportunity um, and just not knowing that these things are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my hope is that you know cameras are becoming a little bit more. Well, they are definitely more available. It's easier to do. Um, right. So the hope is that more little girls will be interested. I have two nieces that I gave two cameras to, and they are not interested in the least. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah, I found one of the emails I got from mm. a listener 
Okay, so one person said he thinks it has to do with return on investment and a relative lack of promotional ease as compared to the human subject genres in photography. And he went on to say, after all, not many people of color can afford the cost of equipment and lack of income while building their reputation to earn a living at nature and landscape photography. Yeah, I thought that I was guess. an interesting... I, I guess. I think, I think it also just has to do with opportunities and just being out in nature. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things where a lot of people don't have a lot of means, but they can find a camera and they don't necessarily need the, you know, need the best camera um, to go out there. But I don't, I mean, there are not a lot of, you know, they're just not a lot of opportunities, I think, to go out in nature. And so, when, you know, I think it's becoming a little bit more popular just to be out in nature. Mm-hmm. And and I think if you're out in nature, taking photos uh, in nature probably comes along with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's always necessarily the means. It's just more opportunities and just not knowing that these opportunities are out there. Um, no, I think that's an um, incredibly astute observation. I mean, if you think, if you look at demographically, most, I won't say most, but predominantly, uh, at least in the United States, people that are African American are living in more urban centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're probably, you know, not across the board, but, you know, typically they're, they have less means than their white counterparts in the suburbs. And I think to your point, that means there's probably going to be less opportunities for them to experience the natural world in the same way that white people have more opportunities to do. Yeah. yeah, Potentially so. But uh, I mean, obviously that's a huge paintbrush. <laughs> well, I, I agree because on the on the flip side, I mean, I have a lot of friends who you know are, are physicians um, and have have means, and they really have no interest in being outside um, in terms of the cold and stuff. I think I have one friend that I know that um, she'll come with me on trips, but she's more into food photography. Um, so it's just interesting. I I don't know why. But but it would be nice to. I, I'm hoping that in the future, more people will will be interested. People of color. Well, maybe the flip side of the question is a better one to ask, and that would be, what are things that that we can do as as fellow nature and landscape photographers to try to encourage more people of color to to get out there and and take part in this craft that we that we love. Mm-hmm. I guess I have to think about that, but yeah, I mean, just just promoting it in different areas. Um, but I mean, is it promoted generally? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to find an answer myself. I guess <laughs> I, know, I, I probably guess, have to ask David. David, how he got into it? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess one one way that I was thinking is, um, you know, I know like the Wilderness Society has a program where they're trying to get more people from from poor urban areas into nature to experience it. But I think, you know, there's lots of benefits to that, you know, getting more and more people to appreciate these places so that we can protect them. I think that's important. That's definitely important. Um, but also, I think just getting more people of color just exposed to outdoor experiences to start with could 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 be just a great start. Yeah, I think that that that's probably you know that's probably a, a big part of it, and um, just finding more weird weird people like me. Like I was the, gonna say, and I'm just a a white man who doesn't know what he's talking about. So um, well, I would be really curious if if people maybe that are listening have ideas on how to encourage, because I would love to see more people doing this and it be a more diverse activity for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever felt like the odd person out when you're, when you're out in the landscape taking photos? I think honestly, I've got, I've gotten used to it. You know, you you, you live in Portland, not a lot of people look like me. So I kind of, I, I kind of, I'm just used to it. Um, um, So I don't think about it as much anymore. However, I will say that, you know, when, um, I think I'd heard of David Thompson 
um, you know, on a podcast or something like that. And then when I saw that he was black, I was like, whoa, hey, you know, and so, you know, I am aware if I do do see people out in nature, um, it, it it is a good feeling. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we all like to, I mean, that's what's, I think, psychologically been so interesting t- about the current election we find ourselves in, as I think yeah. at the core of it, we're, we're all, we all have those tribal roots in terms of in-group and out-group. And I think we feel more comfortable around people that are more like us. But I think the flip side is also true that we, at least for me, I, I have a much greater appreciation of and feel like a more well-rounded person when I'm surround myself with people who aren't like me. Yeah. And I, you know, the, I think the one good thing about, so not only do people not generally look like me a lot of the time in Portland or out in nature, but you know, I'm, I'm not from the U S and so I've always kind of felt foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the one thing that I've learned is that the more you talk to people, the more you realize that most of us are fundamentally similar. You know, you want to be good people. You want to, you want to be kind to people. Um, And, you know, most times if given opportunities, you know, people will do things. And so it's just, it's just a matter of, um, I don't know, building awareness and, and giving opportunities to those who, who may not have the, the ability to do things. Yeah. And I wonder too, if uh, another approach could be recognizing uh, people who are into other genres of photography who are maybe people of color and maybe mm-hmm. inviting, inviting them out to like, Hey, what, come experience this side of photography with me and check it out. And I'll, I'll, I will make a trade. I'll, I'll do your, what you're into as well. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that, that would be good. Um, I guess my, my whole issue is that, I think I'm I'm only now getting familiar with even the, the the landscape community. So I know no one in in portraits or or any other <laughs> other genres. But yeah, I think that that would be a good idea. Yeah, and I was speaking more generally, just for for everyone. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, man. Well, let's let's get out there and try to encourage Indeed. some of our brothers and sisters to to give this craft a try. Indeed. Indeed. Awesome. Well, so, you know, wrapping up, I would love to hear who are some of your inspirations that you think we should have here on the podcast? Uh, there are a few people that I've, I've been uh, enjoying their work recently. Um, uh, there's a gal, Carolyn Chen. Yes. Um, does amazing aerial, aerial photography. Super clean. Just love her work. Also a student um, of David's, by the way. I did not know that. I did not know that, but I, I am also not not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's uh, another gal, Serena uh, Zenis. Sorry, Serena, if I pronounced that incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think she's Australian living in Iceland. Um, yeah. Formerly and- Serena Ho, I believe. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, Bruce Percy, very minimalist. I just, I, I, I love his work. Um, would love to hear him. I would Uh, love to have him return my emails. (laughs) Cause I agree. I love his stuff too. It's awesome. Uh, That's fair. Um, and then Renee, uh, Renee Algesheimer. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, Uh But he's got some really great work, um, really great blog posts as well. And uh, lastly, Ricardo de Cuna. Yes. Um, his stuff is amazing. Very, uh, I think, I think, I don't know, almost fairy tale like. Just love his stuff. Yes. And he hails from Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a, he's a listener of the show. Yeah. I've talked to him a couple of times. Really nice guy. Yeah. He's awesome. Well, cool. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you, Tara, for spending the time with us and being vulnerable to talk about some of these challenging topics. I really appreciate that. No, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Of course. And of of course, thank you for for being a listener as well. Oh, no, it's, it's been so great. I love the show. Cool. 
Well, thanks to Tara for coming on to the podcast this week. I am so thankful to have found your work. And thank you for engaging with me on Instagram in such thoughtful ways. I appreciate you. I also would love to hear from listeners or see listeners discuss how we can encourage more diversity in our craft of nature and landscape photography. What thoughts do you have? Let's hear them. I love engaging our guests on these important topics. I hope you agree that exploring these subjects in a podcast platform can help us all improve our work as photographers, but also improve us as humans. My work on this project could not be possible without the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. So thank you to those of you that have supported us on Patreon at patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. Next up on the show, you'll get to listen to my conversation with two photographers living in Portland, Maine, Ella and Knapp Hudson. Ella and Knapp run and manage one of the oldest and longest running photography clubs in the United States. Those of you that are involved in running photography clubs will be really interested to hear this episode. We have many more exciting episodes in the works. In fact, I have over 15 episodes already scheduled for recording. All right, well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.